Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Corner of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show, Raider Nation Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We're rocking and rolling with you on this Friday, heading into the weekend, which is a game day weekend. Coming up tomorrow afternoon, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, you can hear the Raiders and Miami Dolphins right here on these very airwaves. Raider Nation Radio 920, right before kickoff, of course, JT the Brick and Eric Allen will have the official pregame show, 2 to 4 p.m., and right before them, myself and DeMond will have the official pregame pregame show and we'll do that live from the Ahern Hotel we encourage everyone who's listening to come on out hang out with us have a couple beverages have some food watch some Raiders football and have a good time we're going to have a good time there's free parking so you don't have to worry about that all you got to do is show up roll out say what up and uh, get hooked up with some prizes that we'll have out there as well some Raider Nation Radio swag we like to call it but Ahern Hotels, where you can find myself and DeMond, noon to 2, leading into the pregame show, which leads into the kickoff at 4 p.m. Pacific time, Raiders and Miami, preseason game number three. Of course, they have one more game. That'll be next Friday night at home against the New England Patriots, and New England will be in town early next week as they are going to be scrimmaging and have joint practices with the Raiders, which I think will tell you a whole lot about what they have going on. But right now, I want to get into... Uh, the conversations that we were able to have on uh, Thursday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We got to meet with multiple players and coaches. We met with uh, head coach Joshua Daniels early in that morning. Uh, was able to talk to Kendall Vickers after practice. We also talked to uh, who else did we talk to? Um, oh, Amik Robertson. We talked to him. And then we talked to offensive lineman Jermaine Illuminor. Here's that conversation. Jermaine uh, talked to Coach earlier today about uh, competition and clean slates for everyone. He said that from the very beginning. It seems they followed through. Can you talk about that in terms of as a player uh, liking that part of it that you know you can compete for a spot and it's just not given to people? Yeah. Um, the clean slate was especially good for me because I feel like the last five years of my career, I kind of just wasn't as serious as I should have been, whether it was nutrition, weight, mentality. Like I wasn't all in and – you know, Josh coming knowing who I was and who I am um, has I benefited a lot from that. You know, just being able to recreate myself this year, recreate the type of player I am and person I am has been really good for me. And then to have him and Dave here and just, you know, just show me how confident they are in me and what I can do and just keep pushing me forward has been really dope. You got more serious, like you said, about the diet and conditioning and all that. Do you feel it tangibly? Oh, on yeah, the field? 100%. Like, it's funny because if you watch my tape from when I was in New England, you know, my set, it looks like I'm just like a big blob, just, you know, really trying to force myself back there. And now I'm having to slow down because I'm a lot quicker than I used to be. Um, you know, and I've lost a lot of weight because I used to be, you know, real plump. So, um, no, yeah, I definitely feel the difference out there. And then also when it comes to conditioning, too, I'm able to go on 13, 14, 15 play drives. And although I'm, like, somewhat tired, I'm not as tired as I used to be, you know, coming to the sideline, needing a gas tank to, you know, get me going again. So that's yeah, definitely been beneficial. Get off and tackle. You, you can see it definitely moving quicker, mm-hmm. uh, getting your pass pro. 
do you, I know you play guard as well, but do you kind of prefer tackle? Do you feel like you're a better fit at tackle? I have my preference. Obviously, I, I love tackle, but if, you know, something happened during the season and they were like, maybe we need to slide into guard, I wouldn't, I think I'd be perfectly fine in there because I started out at guard in Baltimore and then, you know, got moved out to tackle later in the year. So, you know, I pride myself on being able to play both positions and hopefully play my high level. How, dif- how difficult is it to switch from multiple sides, from the left to the right to the guard spot like you did even in the game on mm-hmm. Sunday? Um, it's tough, you know, going from right to left, especially when you're more on one side during practice, it's tough. But, you know, it's the NFL, you have to be ready for any opportunity you get. And, you know, for me to start at left tackle during that game was a hell of an opportunity to show people in this organization and around the league that, you know, if given the chance, I can do that as well and play right tackle also. And, you know, I got the opportunity a couple of years ago, and I didn't really take full advantage of that when I was in New England. You know, I was, like I said, I was overweight. I was a little sloppy. And I left a bad taste in my mouth and, you know, everyone else's mouth of, you know, me playing left tackle. So I took that as an opportunity to show people, you know, I'm doing this again, but this time I'm completely different. I'm a new player out there. And, you know, I'm going to keep trying to show that every single week. I mean, you talked about diet. Obviously, you said you were just sloppy um, in New England. What kind of things are you eating to clean up your diet to kind of help mold your game without losing any of that lateral agility? Because obviously size matters down in the trenches. So I just want to know what's your diet like? Straight protein. There you go. No vegetables. Straight protein. Vegetables make you fat. Now I'm playing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jermaine, you are a veteran. So you've been around this league a long time. We. Thayer's a guy that's come in. He was not a high draft pick, but he's making a little bit of a move. What do you see from him? What do you like about his game? I think from the spring to the summer to training camp, he's done a lot better. You know, you could see he had his rookie moments, and he still has his rookie moments. You know, he's a rookie. You know, you expect a rookie to, you know, have some things like that. But he gets better every single day. He takes the coach in, in the room and applies it on the field. Um, he just works his butt off every single time he's out there. And, you know, anytime I give him a pointer, I'm like, hey, put your hands here. Hey, look at your feet, look at your hips, you know, spread up more, you know, raise your hands, you know, don't put your hand into a block. He takes that and he listens to it and he, like, you know, he does that. I think he's going to be a hell of a player as long as he, you know, can stay off his own head and, you know, listens to the coaching and also just goes out there and balls, you know. I think this, I think as a rookie, you have so much pressure on you, you know, there's so many expectations, you know, first you got to make the team and then if you're thrust into a starting role or like a big time role, then you got to, you know, perform and, you know, knowing there he's going to be a big part of the team this year, whatever his role is. And I think he's ready for whatever role that is just because how he comes to work every single day. Also to talk about that diet thing, you know, I forgot about one thing, no sugar and they have no sugar. Maybe not, like maybe one day, you know, I'm a sweet guy, so I had to, you know, throw some cakes in there, you know, but it doesn't matter because I still lost the weight. They can't tell me nothing. I you spoke a lot with Max about trying to up your game. What kind of lessons or things that you can take away from talking to Max? Yeah, um, like I said before, Max has been a huge blessing for my career as a player and a person because, you know, like I said, I didn't really take um, the – I didn't really take football that serious, and, you know, I kind of um, just, you know, I was one foot in, one foot out, and just seeing how Max approaches the game, like I said, with his nutrition, with the way he works every single day, you know, going balls to the walls every single play, you know, the conditioning after, before, like, you know, everything he does kind of just, you know, that's the player I want to be. I want to be just, you know, just like him, honestly. You know, he's one of the best in the league at what he does, and he 
wasn't obviously is blessed with talent, but he worked for everything he got. Every single thing he got, he worked for, and he deserves everything just because he puts all the work in to be that player. And seeing a guy like him do all that, you know, showed me that it was possible to do that. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. If I can follow in his footsteps, you know, fix my diet, do what I need to do on the field, and then, you know, everything else that happens, then I'll be real happy with that. And obviously I'm working my butt off to become that type of player too. Um, how much do you appreciate this and how much of an inspiration for other people do you think that can be? I'm being completely honest. This is like damn near my third, fourth chance because, you know, I had a starting, I was starting in Baltimore um, my third year. And, well, I started actually my rookie year, I got to start. And if I did what I needed to do, then, you know, I would have kept that spot, but it got taken from me. And then my third year in Baltimore, I started left guard, but I was overweight. And then I ended up getting traded in New England. And then my second year in New England, I was signed a right tackle, but once again, I was overweight and I wasn't really doing what I needed to do. And as soon as I got hurt, they replaced me because I didn't earn that job. And then, you know, last year I was doing what I need. I, you know, I was in there, but I didn't fully commit to it. And I didn't do what I needed to do on the field and I got replaced again. So, you know. In my eyes, this is my last opportunity to really become the player I want to become, or I'm just going to be a backup role player the rest of my career. So, I'm taking, I'm doing everything I can to make this happen, and you know, I'm doing everything possible to achieve everything I want to achieve in this game because, you know, not everyone is lucky enough to get as many opportunities and chances that I have. And you know, Josh coming here and Dave coming here, you know, they didn't say, it, but in my mind, this is my last opportunity. So, if I don't achieve what I want to achieve this year, then that's my fault. We've heard you talk about your doctor. Uh, Malcolm Johnson said you have the worst food takes on the team. Well, all we know that you said is that Manny's is overrated. That's accurate. Uh, so what, why does Malcolm think your food taste is so bad? I can't say it on camera, honestly. That's a, that's a setup right there. Y'all trying to catch me. Um, Jakob is jealous that I'm from the great country of England, and he is from the second or third best, that's probably third best country of Germany. I'm saying that because I'm on camera. It's, you know, never, I've never been there, but I think he always wanted to be English. And so, you know, I don't know what they eat in Germany. What, schnitzel? What's schnitzel? Like fried chicken? Like, they call it schnitzel? And what do they call wieners over there? We, like, I don't even know. Like, and the beer isn't, you know, beer's better in England. You know? He said he loves English food. He just doesn't want to admit it. I think Yawk has the worst taste in everything. <laughs> everything. You know, TV, food, clothes, shoes, <laughs> hair. I mean, honestly, his hair was, you know, no, don't even get me started on his hair in New England. That was just, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's just jealous that I'm from England and he's not, and I have a cool accent and he doesn't, you know. So. <laughs> I don't know, you know, you can't make, you know, not everyone likes you. Sometimes you got to roll with it and, you know. Yak is yak. Plus, I mean, yeah. So, are you looking forward to testing yourself against the New England Patriots when they come out? I'm very excited for it. I've seen, um, I think it's going to be really fun. I'm seeing that they're bringing like a different attitude to it and they're practicing really hard. I also have a, like a bunch of friends still on that team and I think it's going to be really competitive. Um, I think it's going to be a really good two days of practice between us, and I think all of us are going to get a lot better from going against that competition. There's a lot of good players over there. You know, Judon, Dietrich, um, LG, Lawrence Guy. Um, was it Christian Barrymore? 
Yeah, you know, I've watched tape on him. He's a great player. Um, and then Uche, they have a bunch of great D linemen over there who are really technically sound and really good at what they do. So I think all of us are going to benefit from going against someone else and, you know, going against that competition. Having played for Bill Belichick, is there an office character that matches up with him? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Obviously, the NFL's tried to make a footprint internationally. Do you feel like you've been an inspiration to a lot of young kids in England about American football? And I hope so. Um, you know, hopefully they're following me this year instead of the last couple of years because I don't feel like I've done the best job of being an inspiration to them. You know, I'm work obviously. You know, making it to the NFL, coming from England, was a hell of an accomplishment. But I want to do more than just be known as a kid as, you know, moved there from England and made it to the NFL. You know, yeah, I made it to the NFL, but I want to do way more than that. And then, you know, once I accomplish all those goals, show kids that, you know, it's possible to move from another country, come over here and play football and play at a high level. It doesn't matter when you start. As long as you're determined and you really want to do it and you believe in yourself, you can accomplish whatever. You know, just the way Max has, has pushed you, like you said, about what, watching how he works and stuff. What's it like just lining up against him in practice? It's dope. It's, you know, um, I truly believe him and Chandler have helped me become a player that I never knew I could become just because they work so hard. And in order to keep up with them, you have to become a different type of player. You know, you have to be outside your comfort zone. You have to, you know, work even harder when you're tired. You have to get 1% better every single day because if you don't, they are. And they're getting better every single day. Um, and if you don't buy into what the coaches are teaching and what they're telling you to do and just, you know, try, like trying to help you out there, then it will be hard to go out there every single day and block them without getting your butt whipped, you know. Um, you know, I talk to Max all the time, Chandler too, and just it's just been such a blessing having both of those two in my career and, you know, helped me every single step of the way, you know. Making sure my hands are right, you know, set telling me about my set. If I set too wide, if I set too deep, if I set too, you know, short, if I didn't, you know, kick enough, you know, it's just been such a blessing having them, both of them here. And, you know, I have to bring my A game every single day because if I don't, you know, like they said, I'm in a competition. So I have to bring it every single day to show these coaches that I'm the guy because every single one in that, everyone in that room is bringing it every single day. And it would be unfair to them if I don't bring my best effort every single day. Thank you. Thank you. So there he goes right there, Jermaine Illuminor. And I know that probably him being funny talking about food and talking about Jakob Johnson and talking about, you know, Germany and England, that will probably stand out the most because it was funny. But you want to talk about a determined young man. If you did not hear the determination and the understanding of how many times he blew it, even when Hondo asked him about being an inspiration to guys in England, he said, you know, I hope they – you know, I hope to be an inspiration to him, but I hope they weren't paying attention to what I did the last few years. I mean, that's that, that's it's hard for people, especially on a professional level, in anything to admit that they were not at their best of their ability, right? They didn't do something to the best of their ability. And you heard him say, "I feel like this is my last chance. I'm going to be a career backup if I don't if I don't go out there and do it." I've been talking about storylines all game or all day. Seems like that's a hell of a storyline right there, right? Jermaine Illuminor figuring out what's going on, figuring out what he needs to do in the NFL, what, what he needs to do with this team in order to get what he wants to get, get and be where he wants to be. And that's obviously a starter. I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I don't know if he's going to hold down that right tackle spot. We know who the left tackle is. I feel like I have a good idea who the left guard is in John Simpson. But you never know. Maybe Dylan Parham makes a push at the last second. Centers Andre James. 
Right guard, you feel like it's Lester Cotton? Maybe Dylan Parham makes a push at the last second. Maybe Jermaine Illuminar. I mean, that's the thing about Dylan Parham. He's like a maybe on every position, right? As, which is exactly what they want. They want him to be a, a, a maybe or a guy that's pushing at every position. I don't I, – I honestly, you know, we talk a lot about the offensive line, but, you know, hearing Jermaine Illuminar, again, it's a guy that, that you start to pull for. Yeah, man, it's just you want to root for everybody on this offensive line, especially because you know that the team's success is really going to be dependent on that unit, on yeah. that unit with such good stories. You got Thayer Munford when he was talking. He right. well, he won last week. Jermaine Illuminor won this week. Yeah. So it's just like, man, I'm going to be trying to watch him in this preseason game just to see and just like, fingers crossed, hope he does well just off of how good he was in the presser. Well, Lincoln Kennedy said it yesterday when we had him on the show. He better do well. He's wearing his number. <laughs> You're wearing that number 7-2, man. You better go out there and show show and prove what 7-2 can do. But I'll ask you, Raider Nation, let's go ahead and get creative. Let's get a little freaky on this Friday, man. Let's go ahead and throw it out there. 702-365-9200. We got Sam Gordon from the RJ coming up at 430. 69187, keyword R&R. I know it's only going into the third preseason game of the week or of the year, but how do you how do you think this offensive line shakes up? How do you think this – what do you think the starting five looks like? Straight up. Like right now, who do you think the starting five are? I say Colton Miller, John Simpson, Andre James, Lester Cotton, and Jermaine Illuminor. And I don't say Jermaine Illuminor just because we heard his presser. I just think that right now, Alex Leatherwood's in his head. I've said that multiple times. So those are my five. Colton Miller, left tackle. John Simpson, left guard. Andre James, center. You have uh, 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 Lester Cotton at the right guard. And then right tackle, Jermaine Illuminor. 702-365-9200. What say you, Raider Mac? Welcome to the show. Raider Mac, what up, dog? Hey, what's up? What's up, fellas? How you doing? We're blessed. Hey, good, good. Hey, man, I just want to say you guys don't know how much we appreciate this radio station because without it, I mean, we've been without it, and now we have something that we can call our own. It, it, it's fantastic, man. It's fantastic, especially coming in to this season and everything. Hey, also, uh, uh, Demond, you try to you try to uh, clown me yesterday at the end. I heard you when you said about about um, Trayvon Mullen. I, I, I'm, I'm not. You, he can post whatever he wants. I just all I said was just don't post stuff and take it off every five minutes. You know, whatever you post, just stick, stick, be a man and keep it on there. That's all I'll say. I won't talk about him no more, man. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get clowned on the radio no more by, by a Titan fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. And I was on your side, man. I always took up for, for DeMond. But you know what? Hey, that's okay. But anyway, hey, my storyline is the president, uh, Sandra. And you okay. know why I say that? Because you know what? We was, I mean, a lot of this stuff was was pushed under the the rug by some people, yeah. but uh, as far as the work atmosphere mm-hmm. with the Raiders and there, we you know Al Davis started this and he first first Amy Trask, then we had we had um, um, the the first black coach, we had the first Latino coach. Um, we we we've been setting the standard for a long time, and I, I'm glad that we was able to put. Um, put her in place and showed that we this this, this organization is going is going to be back where it's supposed to be as far as um, equality 
and and gender and stuff like that. We're gonna take care of them. We we're the only league. We're the only team in the league, I think, that does do players treat our players as well as you. Especially you look at the Hall of Fame. I mean, Jerry Jones do the same thing with some of the Cowboys, but we do it for everybody. And I I will say this. Uh, I'm still worried about that offensive line, like you said. You heard what Lincoln Kennedy said. You got to have some 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 um, the the guys to get together, and you have to have some uh, some blending together on that offensive line. And I don't see it. I mean, I I, yeah. I heard your lineup, and I'll let you go. I heard your lineup on, on the offensive line, but this is what I want to see tomorrow that the offensive line, that's my concern going into the season. Because you can have all the stars and all the weapons, yeah. but if they don't come together, I mean, we, we don't have time to throw, we're done. And uh, thank you guys for the radio station. Even hey. though you got a Titan fan on there. <laughs> that's right. Hey, see, that's what happens. See, you back them up all the time. You done backed up DeMond all the time. Raider Mac has always had your Raider back. Mac, and come then, back, man. And then, the, and then the one minute that you had the opportunity, you as soon as you had a chance, man, you you went after him, man. The one ally you had, you went after him. See? I always hey, I told you DeMond ain't worth a damn, man. For friends like you. me, who needs enemies, am I right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> man. DeMond, he'll do you dirty, man. He'll do you dirty like the South, but – that's the money. He can't help himself. But, uh, again, that's my brother, so it's okay. But, no, as far as the offensive line, you, I mean, again, you know, uh, I know people are just like, oh, I don't want to talk about the offensive line. You have to. <laughs> you absolutely have to. And I, I do think coming out of this game on Saturday, man, they really need to know who their starting five is going to be. I'm not trying to hit the panic button. I'm not trying to, you know, act like I'm worried or anything like that. I just think that, like Raider Max said, to give this team an opportunity to be able to do what the expectations are for them to do this year, they've got to be able to have a solid offensive line. It doesn't have to be the number one offensive line in the league. It doesn't. Not at all. It just can't be the 32nd offensive line either, right? I mean, it's got to be somewhere in the middle, you know, and it's so funny. Uh, we saw, we saw uh, an article that was on uh, ESPN.com by uh, Mike Clay, and we'll have him on the show next week. What day did you get him on for the show next week, DeMond? Wednesday? Was it Wednesday? Uh, yeah, we decided to regroup on that, though. You know, it's, uh, we're going to – Still work up. in progress? Yeah, still a work in progress. Okay, that's fine. He'll be on the show next week sometime. So he, he did, you know, the best and worst – position groups for every single team. It was a really good article, and I think looking at it, I want to say the offensive line for the Raiders, not that it should be a surprise, was ranked, I think, 31st. I want to say that that's exactly where they were. They were ranked 31st out of 32 teams, and so you just can't, you can't have that. I mean, that's just that's not going to work. Now, overall, I'll just go ahead and spoiler alert, overall they were 19th ranked, which is not bad. I mean, if, if, if the offensive line could be ranked 19th in the league, the Raiders could win a whole lot of games. It just can't be ranked 32nd. If they're ranked 32nd, they're going to get – it's going to be a struggle. I'm not saying it's impossible because we saw Cincinnati go all the way to the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow was abused. That dude got sacked a, a, a franchise record 51 times, and that was the regular season. That's not counting the playoffs. I mean, he was getting abused, spanked, Nine hurt. times in one playoff game, and they still won. And they still won, exactly. So – I mean, you can you can find ways to overcome it. It's just not ideal. So you know they got to they got to get that squared away with that offensive line exactly where they're gonna go. Uh, Vegas Pete hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Nothing wrong with being a backup. It's better to have choices than have none. No, you're right. Talking about Jermaine Illuminar. That's you're right. It's not anything wrong with being a backup. But I don't think anyone st- sets out to be a backup. You know, if that's what you end up being, cool. But 
I don't think anyone sets out and says, you know what, I'm going to be the best backup I can be. I think everyone thinks that they have the opportunity and the ability and the talent to be a starter in the league. And at some point, just like quarterbacks, at some point you realize, okay, I'm just a backup, but I'm going to be a damn good backup. I'll be prepared. I'll be ready to go when they call my, call my number. Uh, also, Vegas Pete said his, his offensive line, the five offensive linemen, Miller, Simpson, only if he cuts down on his penalties or Parham takes his job. James Cotton Leatherwood, let's go Raiders. See, it's so funny. Every time we throw out five offensive linemen, usually we throw out six because we always put a, a slash or, right? I did it. Vegas Pete did it. I mean, I think most people do it. I don't think anyone's convinced yet who that starting five is going to be, and that's why it's so intriguing. Mailman Raider said, I remember you asking how how you see the offensive line back in May. I guess then, left to right, Miller, Simpson, James, Parham, Leatherwood. I'll switch Parham with Cotton, but stick with the rest. So, okay, so he's switching out. I'll switch Parham with Cotton. Okay, I got you. So he has Miller, Simpson, James, Cotton, Leatherwood. All right, that'll work. Mailman Raider, I like that. Um Got a text from uh, Raider Mac Crackalack Sneak Attack. I like that. Ooh, Raider J. There you go. Oh, he's talking about Raider Mac. I got you. I like that. Okay, there you go. That's a, a little hip hop reference. I guess I ain't mad at him. Is that your? Is that your? Uh, that's that's your hip hop line there. No, 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 no. Don't put that one on me. Oh man, you got that. Uh, let's see. We got a text from the five six two. We've been running the ball down team throws for so far nearly 200, 200 yards each game. And that's uh, O Lyman's best friend, punishing defensive lines, opening big holes for backs. So give credit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sure. You know. Um, ah, but it goes to what everyone always says about the preseason. You can't right. put too much you on these games. You don't want to take too much stock. You don't want to just say, well, the running game's been really effective uh, in the preseason, so it's going to be okay. What about the passing game? <laughs> They've also, if you, want, if, you're, if you want to take that logic, which is okay to do, you get okay, almost 200 yards. It was really, I think, what almost 150 every game. I think they have 300, 300 yards rushing through two games. So let's just average it out. Mathematician, what's that? That's 150, <laughs> 150 a, a game. But they also have nine sacks after two games, nine. So I rather them work on the offensive line. And get better so they don't have nine sacks. Because if you're if you're going to take what they're doing in the run game, you got to take what they're doing in the pass game. And in the passing game, they've given up nine sacks. So it's either or. Four twenty-seven is the time. When we come back, Sam Gordon from the RJ will join the show. He'll talk all things aces. We'll ask him about the Raiders as well. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. Got a text from Geese Mode on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. I like your starting offensive lineman, lineup cue, but I still favor Leatherwood at right tackle. All Alex has to do is visit the team psychologist, and he'll get out of his feelings and into high performance. What does not kill him now will only make him stronger and more determined during the season. Let's go Raiders. That's from Geese Mode, and we were talking about the offensive line, and I threw out the question, who do you think is going to be the starting five? I have... From left to right, I have Colton Miller at left tackle. I have John Simpson at left guard, Andre James at center. And at right guard, I have uh, Lester Cotton and then Jermaine Illuminor at the right tackle position. That's my starting five. Joining us now on the phone lines to talk all things Raiders, talk all things Aces, is our good friend Sam Gordon from the RJ. And, Sam, appreciate you as always, my man. And I know that you're knee-deep in the Aces and, of course, uh, UFC and everything else going on. But 
of just from what you've been able to see from the Raiders so far this training camp, man, what has been your, your thoughts and your expectations for this upcoming year? Yeah, Q, first and foremost, man, happy Friday. Uh, going to be a great weekend here in Vegas. But, um, no, I think, I think the expectations should be this. I mean, this looks like a, I mean, this, this roster was assembled uh, to make the playoffs, not just make the playoffs, but make a run. And I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen per se, but internally it feels like that's what the expectation should be. When you add a Devontae Adams, you have Max Crosby, you know, taken care of and secure with his future here in Las Vegas. You pair him with the Chandler Jones. Uh, you have, you know, you're pretty stable on all three levels of your defense, and you have one of the most explosive uh, offenses in the league on paper. So the expectations should be high. Uh, of course, the division is definitely the wild, wild west this year. And uh, heard you talking about the offensive line coming in. I think that's the key. You know, if this offensive line is average or below average, can you still compete for the playoffs? Uh, absolutely, but it limits your upside. So if it's, if it's average or better, if they are able to find a, a combination that works and is stable all year and gives you some sort of baseline, then that creates more upside. So not any breaking news there per se, but definitely worth watching as, as camp continues to wrap up. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, yeah, if you can have a, a, an average or above-average offensive line, I think this team has an opportunity to really do some good things. Again, we're talking with Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal here on Unnecessary Rough This Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, uh, you've been, like I said, knee-deep with the Aces, man. They're in the playoffs right now. They're the number one seed. They got a nice victory on Wednesday night. But, Sam, it was close, man. It was close at first. And then and then all of a sudden there was that, uh, that flagrant foul on Chelsea Gray. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, they just took off yeah. after that. What was the atmosphere like at Michelob Ultra when, when that happened and the Aces go on that run? Uh, Q, I would say it was it's probably one of the most electric moments in the history of, of the Aces playing there. Um, really, you have 80, you know, eight, I think it was 8,700, so one of the bigger crowds uh, in the history of the franchise. And like you said, the game was tight up to that point. I, I don't think Aces fans were ever necessarily nervous per se because, you know, the Aces had, you know, a relative control of the game. It's not like they were ever trailing for a significant period of time. But they certainly weren't as comfortable as they were after, after Chelsea Gray, um, her little stretch there. So that definitely, you know, you, you saw some emotion from Chelsea Gray, and the crowd really fed off of that. And I think that got, you know, just kind of shows or illustrates the, uh, the symbiotic relationship that's developed between the Aces uh, and the fan base here. There's been a lot of loyal fans for a long time, and that fan base has continued uh, to develop and to develop. And, you know, it's become a hot spot, you know, a hot entertainment spot, too, um, in Vegas, you, you never know who you might see, and I think that sometimes definitely augments to the atmosphere or augments the atmosphere. Uh, but overall, uh, you know, the fans are super engaged. They they were loud. They love playoff basketball, and, and they believe they're they're cheering on a team uh, that can win the WNBA championship. And, and given what we've seen, specifically the last you know the second half of the season after the All Star break, they're they're every bit um, they're, you know they're right to feel that way. This is definitely a team that can win the title and uh, look good. You know, relatively all things considered, uh, on Wednesday night, especially in that fourth quarter. What changed? You know, you mentioned uh, after the All-Star break and how they how they all of a sudden have just really kicked in the gear, and, man, they've been playing some great basketball. But, you know, there was a lull right before the All-Star break where it, it seemed like they couldn't win a game. You know, they were just sure. on the struggle bus. What changed for them to get them where they are right now? I think it's twofold, Q. I think first um, and foremost, uh, their defensive effort just wasn't there. And You know, you get off to a 13-2 and two start, and they're the hottest team in the league, and you've got Tom Brady sitting courtside and, you know, the momentum that was building, right? I mean, it's probably a little natural to, to ease up a little bit, but you could see that the continuity on the defensive end just wasn't quite here, that, uh, wasn't quite there yet. The trust wasn't there. And then offensively, uh, because so many players were scoring and playing so well, I think they got away from some of the free-flowing offensive stuff that Becky Hammond wants to run. So 
first and foremost, defensively, they improved um, on that end. There was a lot of it was effort-based, I think. And then second, you saw Chelsea Gray um, shift into more of a – I mean, she was always the point guard, but the, the, she, she's running more of the offense. I, I think Chelsea Plum handled the ball quite a bit um, early in the season, and, and uh, you know, she's having a, she had an all-WNBA first-team caliber year. She's been excellent. But when Chelsea Gray is on the ball, it just tends to move around a little bit better. And she handled the ball more, and her stats across the board are up. Um, she's the only player on the team that has a championship, winning with the Sparks in 2016. And she just has that feel. I mean, her game is perfect for this time of year when things slow down a little bit, where it, where it gets you know gritty in the trenches and it gets a little bit more physical. And you know, over the second half of the season, she really developed a, a command for the offense. Uh, the ball movement, you know, got better. There was more trust, and then everybody was continuing to feast, kind of like they were early in the year when things started out. So now I think just the chemistry is better. Um, I think Becky Hammond has a, a really good feel. She, she knows what to expect, and I think the roles are a little bit more clearly defined. And then we're talking about this playoff run, uh, the addition of Kia Stokes in the starting lineup. I mean, just a total professional um, that can play the power forward or center spot. She's physical on the glass, you know, excellent positional defender and just knows where to be. Um, and help and, and doesn't, you know, doesn't clog up the offense, has a role on the offense, crashing the glass and can knock down the eight footer and finish a little bit of, uh, around the rim. So the chemistry is just better. Uh, and, and that comes with time and experience. And that's, you know, to be expected in some ways under a first year head coach, but it's really, uh, really feels like they're starting to peak at the right time. You know, the ultimate sports cliche, but it feels like that's what's happening. Yes, Sam, you said that the team is peaking at the right time, but what would be the Achilles heel for this team or a weakness that teams could try to exploit if there is one for this team? Yeah, I mean, I think there's still questions. You know, I think there's still questions uh, about the depth. And as the playoffs go along, and as um, you know, starters play bigger and bigger minutes, and as some of these series get deeper, you know, maybe there's some question marks there. I'm not saying there necessarily will be, but if you had to pick, I would say um, that that that's definitely still still a little bit of a concern. I think you know Becky Hammond has a tight you know seven player rotation with Raquana Williams and Ileana Rupert coming you know coming off the bench and providing you know 12 15 minutes a piece, but. You know, that's still that scoring. I don't think you're at the point yet, or we've seen it enough, where you're like, yep, we're getting 15 points from the bench or 20 points from the bench tonight. So I think that might be, um, you know, one of the issues. And then size, you know, depending on, you know, it's very matchup dependent. But if you get a team like Washington in the next round, and we saw how close that game was yesterday, that's going to be a heck of a series. And, you know, could see that going either way, um, you know, because the game one went either way. But a team like Washington has a lot of size and, uh, you know, defends the aces really well. It matches up from a size perspective and is a little bigger. I know Connecticut has a lot of size, too. And, and, and you know, again, Kia Stokes, you know, helps remedy that uh, a little bit. Uh, but she's still only, you know, she's still 6'3", and other teams have 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". And then I guess one more thing, you know, the health of De'Erica Hamby, right? They look good with her, you know, without her right now. But her defense, I think, against the Brianna Stewart or an Elena Deladon or even John Paul Jones in a potential finals matchup uh, is super pivotal and key. So, We'll see what, what happens, but right now, uh, the way things are, the way the systems are running, uh, it feels like they're, you know, they can play, they can win games rather, rather decisively, even when they don't play their A game. And that, you know, that has to be a good sign. Expect things to, you know, to continue to go in the right direction uh, as the playoffs unfold. Yeah, you mentioned a few teams right there. Would, which, which team would be the one that if they were to match up with them, maybe next round or even towards the finals, is the team that the Aces fans should be most afraid of? I would definitely say Washington, um, DeMond. Definitely Washington swept the Aces this year and then took uh, three or four from them in the, in the WNBA sem- the semifinals in 2019. Of course, you know, different, you know, there's differences on those rosters, but the core of the team uh, from 2019 is still here, and, and same with Washington. And I think that's you know, six of the last seven, or it might even be more than that, 
uh, that the Mystics have taken from the Aces when Elena Deladon plays. Of course, she you know sat out the 2020 season and then was injured most of the last season, uh, 2021 as well. So with her healthy and in the lineup, I mean, she's you saw what she did last night down the stretch. I mean, almost you know pretty much single-handedly almost willed her team to that victory uh, on the road against Seattle. She was impeccable, uh, even though if they fell a little bit short. And she defends Asia Wilson really well. She's just an excellent positional defender. Uh, they, they're good defensively across the board. Uh, they have size. They can match up. They, they're versatile offensively. And they've just given the Aces um, trouble just because of how well uh, they can defend. So that's, I'm not saying the Aces can't beat Washington or, or you know, should be afraid of Washington. They definitely you know, shouldn't be afraid of any team in the league because for all the things I just said about Washington, Washington would say the same thing about all the challenges the Aces present as well. So, you know, they're the one seed. They're the favorites, and, and for relatively good reason. Uh, but that 4-5 matchup is going to be super key. And, and you know, I, you would think the winner of that second-round series uh, is going to win the, uh, will go on to win the WNBA championship. Talking right now with Sam Gordon here on NSA Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And one thing I've noticed is that when teams really try to get under the skin of the aces, it's by being very physical and trying to beat them up, similar to what we kind of saw the other night. I think the Connecticut mm-hmm. Sun were the first team that really early in the season kind of hit them with some, yep. some, uh, some physicality and almost looked like they were out there brawling. Is that the recipe that these teams have to try to uh, beat the, the aces because they have such a rhythm offense? Yeah, I would say absolutely. I mean, and that's a great point. I mean, I, I think even before, you know, this season, even last year when the Aces had some of their more traditional lineups, um, the teams that had, you know, a lot of success against them were the teams that can match them with size and the teams that would bang with them on, on the glass because the Aces, you know, traditionally had so much size and were one of the best rebounding teams. Well, you know, guess what? You know, Liz Cambage, you know, 6'8", she's not there anymore. So it gives teams that have a physical presence a little bit more room to be physical. And I, I think – over the course of a again a five game series where there's some travel involved, uh, you know that that might you might be you might start to see some attrition if a team has the depth um, to be physical with the Aces like that. So we'll see you know kind of how the matchups uh, unfold and how the, the matchups play out. But generally, yeah, that's been a, a a huge key in slowing down the Aces this year. The teams that you know play them really really well traditionally again Washington, Connecticut, you know the better teams, the championship yeah. contenders are able to do that with the Aces and slow them down. So you want to keep them out of transition uh, and you want to control the glass against them and you know because because rebounding is so important. There are second chance opportunities uh, to be had if you're physical on the offensive glass against the Aces. So, you know, we'll see. It's again very matchup dependent. That's what makes this time of year um, so fun and and you know the Aces present challenges to everybody they play, you know, as well. Yeah, they do, and they're a lot of fun to watch. And final question about the Aces, then DeMond's got a couple uh, UFC questions that he wanted to ask you, but is Asia Wilson, no doubt about it, the MVP of this uh, this season? Yeah, I, I think so, Q. I, I think when you just you kind of contextualize the whole year, um, you're, you know, you have a first-year head coach in place for, you know, for, for as talented as the Aces roster is, you know, depth was an issue for most of the year. You consider that she basically played, you know, is playing – a new position because she was the center uh, for all intents and purposes. So she's guarding bigger players. She's anchoring a defense that at times struggled and had a lot more responsibility on that end of the floor. Um, I think it's also worth noting, and, you know, I don't know, I don't have a vote this year, um, but I I think it's also worth noting how you contextualize, depending on how voters contextualize valuable. Uh, She took less money in her con when, when, when negotiating her new contract to keep the core of the team together. And, you know, guess what? Everybody signed extensions, and they're all going to be here next year. So I think that's worth considering. Um, she, she added a three-point shot to her game. Uh, she's, she's an excellent defensive player. And I think it matters that she doesn't care if she's the star every night. Like, there's a, a real selflessness to her um, with the way she leads her team. She, she has no problem, even the other night, when she didn't have it going on uh, offensively, focused on rebounding, defense, playmaking for her team. 
um, she, she has that. And that, that definitely, I think, elevates the play of, of you know, people around here, not to mention uh, the excellent statistical season she produced. Plus, the Aces are the one seed. So I think she has a pretty compelling case. Um, Brianna Stewart is, of course, amazing um, and excellent and, you know, has a strong case, too. But the Storm finished 5-5 five and five, uh, down the stretch. They lost their last two games against the Aces, and they're playing a really tough 4-5 matchup because they didn't have a better um, regular season despite having a really good roster. So, yeah, I, I think Asia Wilson has a really strong case and, and should be the deser- deserving winner, no doubt. But you never know how these things are going to go. Yeah, Sam, I just had a couple of boxing questions for you. Last weekend, you were there at Teofimo's Lopez, his comeback fight. You know, he gets the win, and it's good to see him, like, coming back after losing to George Cambosa because he really got upset there, but now he's at 140. So what's for him next? Yeah, that's a great question, Devon. Um, I, I think when, when you, you take a look at how he looked, you know, on Saturday, of course, that's an opponent, Pedro Campo, that's, you know, tailor-made for Teo to look good against. And I thought he was able to eventually find a rhythm down in the middle rounds and, and you'll break him down a little bit, but... That wasn't the kind of convincing victory uh, you were hoping for in a comeback fight. I think there may have been a little jitters, and you know, Theo said afterwards that he felt like it took him a couple rounds to find his footing, maybe some ring rush there. Uh, but he got touched up a little bit, and this is by you know a C-level fighter that was you know you're in, it was in there you're designed to look good against him, and he eventually did what he had to do. But when you think about a, a Josh Taylor or a Regis Progre, you know the top level guys at 140, I think I need to see a little bit more. So. You know, he teased another fight uh, on Heisman Trophy night, I believe December 9th or 10th, traditionally at Madison Square Garden. I think we might see him against maybe like an Arnold Barbosa or, uh, you know, potentially a Jose Ramirez if he's ready to go uh, in December. He's getting, you know, he's getting, uh, I believe he's getting married. Um, so part of the reason he couldn't fight for the, the, the title, uh, I guess, I, I believe it was Zapata. So that's a, that, I like those kind of matchups, those level fights for him. But as far as, you know, the top level dudes at 140, I think we still need to see a little bit more as he eases into this new weight class. All right, and this Saturday you got Anthony Joshua getting his rematch against Alexander Usyk. Who do you got there? Because I want to believe in Joshua, but I think that, you know, that first fight he just got outclassed. So do you think Joshua's going to make that comeback and redeem himself? You know, it would be an awesome story if he did, right? The, the, becoming a three-time heavyweight champion and, and getting, you know, both the, the, the major losses in your career back. But I just don't see it, uh, Damon. I just don't see it. Uh, Alexander Usyk. Uh, is an all-time great cru- cruiserweight, uh, undisputed champion there, and you know has moved up to heavyweight, and and everything translates his footwork, the, you know the unorthodox style that he has. He's a southpaw, the, you know the the hand speed, just the fundamentals. He's he's really um, a spectacular and beautiful boxer, and you know for all AJ's talents and, and, and his punching power and for everything that he has, uh, he just I don't think he's going to be able to solve that puzzle. I really don't. And we know he has big power. Um, and, and big pop and his cap, you know, one punch in the heavyweight division can change everything. But you got to set up those shots. I mean, Usyk's not just going to stand there in front of in front of him and let him tee off. So can Anthony Joshua set up those shots? Maybe I can see if if AJ, if you know, if he uses his jab and if he you know doesn't let Usyk come inside and really beat him up early on. You, you maybe some 50-50 rounds in there. You get a lead on the cards and maybe that changes kind of the you know the fight and the, the style and it becomes a little different. Maybe he can sneak a decision in there. Or maybe you get lucky and catch him, but I just don't see it happening. I have Usyk again by unanimous decision. Uh, but if AJ presses late, you, you know maybe we see a late stoppage. You never know. Uh, Usyk definitely roughed him up in the first fight in that twelfth round, and if it would have been another round, I think he would have got the stoppage. So we'll see. But I, I do expect Usyk to, 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 for it to look relatively the same. And then that you know the question is, what becomes of Anthony Joshua? Where does he go from there? Um, you know, IG big money fights out there for him but yeah yeah there you go ig and that, that'll always be there for him so so good for him but we'll see what happens i, I can't wait for the fight tomorrow 
Sam, before we let you go, we started this thing off talking Raiders. We're going to end it talking Raiders. You did a piece on uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president of the Silver and Black. What are your thoughts, man? You were there when she was introduced. Like I said, you've done the piece. Uh, she's obviously more than qualified for the job. Just what are your overall thoughts on Sandra Douglas Morgan? Yeah, I, I guess if I can you know, say this as succinctly as possible, I think the NFL is going to be a better league because Sandra Douglas Morgan is now a part of it. I, I, from everybody I've talked to, um, she, she, she's a special leader. She has a special, unique ability to connect with people and to see things from all different perspectives. Uh, she's super detail-oriented. Um, she understands, you know, what needs to be done within the organization, and she understands um, this community in and, and Las Vegas and the values in Las Vegas and what matters to people who live here. So I think it's a home run hire. And, again, I, I think she's, she's going to drive real change, you know, first within the Raiders organization and then, you know, with, with – uh, eventually with, with the league as a whole. That's what she's done everywhere she's went. Um, she's a powerhouse, and I think really the Raiders are fortunate to have her. It's an A-plus hire by Mark Davis. I agree. I agree 100%. Fantastic stuff as always, Sam. You got anything coming out on the RJ that we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, yeah. I spent a little time um, today with Daniel Gutierrez uh, over at UNLV, the, the nice. walk-on turned scholarship kicker, one of the best kickers in the country now. So have a little something on him next week to, to tee up uh, UNLV's uh, week one. The college football is already here. <laughs> yeah. And you know what that means, too. It means the NFL is right behind it. I can't believe how fast the year went. But this is one of the best times of the year. Appreciate you having me on, uh, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely, man. Great stuff. Thank you so much. There you go. Sam Gordon from the RJ at by Sam Gordon on Twitter does a fantastic job and obviously could talk about anything, man. Football, uh, pros, college, UFC, boxing, you know, everything. WNBA, NBA. Uh, Sam Gordon is that dude. So definitely check him out on Twitter at by Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal and with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Great stuff right there from Sam. Uh, Damon, I know we only got about 11 minutes left in the show. What do you want me to do? Take a break or you want me just to close it out? Take Please a take a break. <laughs> Please, brother, brother, please take a break. I did take a break. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy. Last team. time that I checked, check. it was five checks. Shout out to Nipsey head. Hussle. It was no smut on my breath. Got that star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Shout out to Nip. Nip Hustle. Vegas Pete said on the Salmon Ash Tech Line. Aces don't get the ball to Asia enough. When the offense struggles, they should get it to her and play inside out and have the three as a result of double teams. Sometimes Young or Plum throws up bad shots instead of working through their best Asia Wilson, in my opinion. I agree 100%. Sometimes they fall in love with the with their shot and just don't get back to basics. I think they'll go on a, a stretch every game where it's, they struggle to score for, a, a, like I said, a quick little stretch, and then somehow they snap out of it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Vegas Pete. Definitely appreciate that text. And the Aces will be in action tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Michelob Ultra Arena, the doors open at 4 o'clock. Game tips off, I believe, 6 o'clock. You can hear on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Of course, uh, the Raiders play as well, kicking off at 4 o'clock. Now, before we close out the show and close out the week, make sure you catch us at Ahern Hotel tomorrow at noon. For the pre-pre-show, uh, we're going to lead into JT the Brick and Eric Allen for the pre-game show, which will lead into kickoff of the Raiders and Miami preseason game number three for the Silver and Black. We do want to go ahead and uh, get into a little bit of uh, real or fake, or do we not have that today? Oh, no, we got it today. It's just going to be a real quick one because we got to wrap up the show. Okay. Have you seen – I'm just going to start here. Have you seen the Jake Plummer story? Uh, something about mushrooms. All right, so that's all you know? What do you? That's you, all I know. So are you not would you be in would you be willing to invest in a company that the mushrooms? No. 
I'm not. I'm not invested in anything that Jake Plummer has to do with. The I, headline uh, is Jake Plummer wants to live forever, and mushrooms are going to help with that. Q. So you're not. Buy, you're not buying it. No, it's it's so funny. We just had a commercial about marijuana. It sounds like Jake Plummer is trying to. You know, uh, like it's it's it's. I would actually be more interested if he said found a way that weed's going to help him live forever because it almost sounds like he's high as a kite when he's talking about the mushrooms that he's talking about. Q, there are healing properties in the hallucinogens in these mushrooms, okay? So it's not just getting high for fun, okay? I'm willing to do a little research. I mean, Jake Plummer, you know. Uh, you know. <laughs> I, I bet you are. I bet you are. Well, don't do any kind of research before tomorrow. I need you to be at the Ahern Hotel by noon for our show, all right? Don't do any research tonight or else I might have to send a, a, a watch party or a, 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 a search party for you. Where's the bun? I don't know. He's researching some mushrooms. He's higher than a giraffe's ass right now. Great. Unbelievable. It is Friday night, too. Lord Jesus, help us. Damon's going to be in. Oh, my goodness. Come on, Damon. Don't start that till I don't know, Sunday. 4.56 the time. We'll see you at the Ahern tomorrow. It's Brandon Nation Radio. 920. Good night.